Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, good morning and Happy New Year. Oh, thanks. The, uh, I, was, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine yesterday about, you know, the new year, and she was saying, man, I'm just so glad to be getting out of 2021. Anybody else feeling that way maybe a little bit? And I was like, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but just, like, you know, today is just the next day. Like, we didn't just pass through a magical portal, you know, like... It's just the next day, right? So, which is why, which is why I love the fact that every year on the new year, the church has us return to uh, our mom, has us return to Mary at the start of every uh, new year, right? We know that liturgically the new year is the first Sunday of Advent, but, you know, in the secular culture, right, the new year begins on January 1st. And every year the church says, go home to mom first. Go home to mom. Spend some time contemplating Mary, the mother of God. So what I want to do this morning on this solemnity is I want to share some reflections on Mary's motherhood that have just been uh, sitting in the crock pot of my heart for the last couple weeks, months or so, just brewing away, just some reflections that have been bubbling and percolating. And uh, I'm just going to tell you now, at the end of this homily, there's not going to be any like, uh, like great call to action, okay? So at the end of this, it's not going to be like, all right, now therefore go out there and do blank, right? Or... Uh, whatever. It's just, I, I want us to contemplate, right? The word contemplate means to see within the temple, to see within the temple. And what's in the temple? God. I want us to just sit back, receive, contemplate, just savor, right? Savor. The best things of life are savored. The best things of life are savored. The best things of life are practical, uh, they're not means to a further end. This homily is going to be totally useless in that regard, all right? So as a new mom, Mary's about a week or so into this motherhood thing. And just like every other brand new mom, she's probably tired. And she's recovering, and she doesn't look like one of those Renaissance paintings depicted by, you know, Michelangelo or Giotto or Botticelli or... Shimabui or any of those Renaissance masters. She didn't have perfectly draped fabric clothing. She, she was a young woman settling into motherhood. And she's stunningly beautiful, though. And Joseph keeps reminding her of that. And just like every other new mom, she's feeling this strange combination of gut intuition, like somehow I know what I'm doing, and at the same time, this, I have no idea what I'm doing. All of it swirling together, and just like every other new mom, she is totally, totally engrossed in every detail of her little boy, studying every detail, like overwhelmed to look and see every new detail, his eyelashes, the curve of his nose, the shape of his mouth, the little noises he's making when he sleeps. You could, you could say she's the first to adore the Blessed Sacrament. 
And she studied him, and every single thing she saw, she fell more in love with him. She's amazed. She's absolutely amazed how she's already figuring him out. Right? This sound means this. That sort of fussy noise, it probably means this. And she was, just like every mom, so proud of him when he latched and began to feed for the first time and also so proud of herself that without Anne there, without any of the women from Nazareth there, she was figuring it out. This moment, too, which seems so utterly ordinary, that was a moment for every single other mom in all of human history, a moment for every single child throughout human history, this totally normal moment, this totally ordinary moment, except that when she recalls that the one whom she's feeding is the one about whom it was said, He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and of his kingdom there will be no end. That the one she's feeding was pre-announced by an angel. How is it that he needs me? I imagine she probably said that a lot. How is it that he needs me? And I also imagine that that thought as Readily as it came, it probably also just passed out of her mind as she just was in the reality of the moment, adjusting his tiny little body, giving him to Joseph because the Son of God was a little gassy and he needed to be burped. <laughs> I'm convinced that these scenes, these, there are these scenes that, like this that are left out of the Gospels because... No words could have adequately described them that, have, could, that could have done them justice. Like the reunion that Jesus must have had with his mother after the resurrection. Because you know, you know, like before he appeared to anybody else, you know he must have appeared to her. He must have. I mean, there's a lot of saints and mystics who corroborate that. It's obviously not written in the scriptures because... Let's face it, like, how could you have described that reunion? Or imagine Mary trying to describe to Luke, you know, the scribe of the infancy narratives. Mary told him a lot of things, but she left out a lot of details, a lot of moments, because I'm sure they were indescribable. Like, like how could she have described what it was like when her divine son, her divine son, first opened his eyes? and met her gaze. Like, if ever there was a moment when earth could have been split in two from love, it was that moment. I think these hidden moments, these delicate heirloom moments are what she pondered in her heart. I can hear Mary in in that stable holding Jesus and gazing upon him and whispering, Like as she gazed upon the face of God, I can hear her like going through all these scriptures in her mind that she would have studied and learned as a Jewish girl, holding him. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord let his face shine upon you. His face. This is his face. And be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you kindly and give you peace. Imagine her like praying that as she's nursing him. 
the Lord let his face shine upon me and be gracious to me. The Lord look upon me kindly. Or Joseph, like, I can hear Mary saying to Joseph, did you ever think that that's what Moses meant? When he gave us that blessing all those years ago, did you ever think that he could have imagined this? Joseph holding Jesus, this boy who's simultaneously not his boy, but who is his boy, but who's not his boy. I hear Joseph whispering the words of Psalm 34, saying, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. There's only one adjective that's used to describe Joseph in the New Testament, and it's righteous. Joseph, because he was a righteous man. I can hear Joseph looking at Mary as she's holding Jesus and just like smiling and saying, he looks just like you. He looks just like you. He's got your eyes, Mary. He's got your nose, Mary. He's got your chin, Mary. He's got your lips. And I hear Mary saying, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. And this mystical exchange, this is my body given for you as she's feeding him, as she's holding him, as he's saying to her, this is my body given for you. What were those moments? Friends, today's solemnity, it's really about one thing. When you boil it down, it's about drawing our attention to the astounding humility of our God. A humility that we can't fathom, a humility that we just so blithely invoke, that we entertain, that we just enter into. It's a humility that is just beyond reckoning, a lowering, a a plunging into the icy depths of nothingness, an emptying of himself that seems like total madness. He went as low as possible, so imaginably low, to raise everything up. Like, it's, it's... quite simple, really, when you think about it, like, think back, like, imagine, like, when you have to lift up something very heavy, like you're moving a dresser, how do you move it? You got to get low. You got to get your body lower than the thing you're going to try and lift, and only then can you lift it. That's what the incarnation is. It's God going to the lowest place imaginable, like, subterranean in this cave, to lift everything up, right? The good shepherd who takes the sheep and hoists it on his shoulders. That's what's happening. God going all the way down, giving himself into human flesh and frailty into the arms of a mother so that he could redeem the whole world. Like if he never had or if he never needed a mother, then he isn't our brother. And if he isn't our brother, then he couldn't be our savior. What isn't assumed can't be redeemed, as the church fathers would say. If he didn't take on our nature, then he couldn't redeem it. What isn't assumed can't be redeemed. Today, the church is inviting us to contemplate, to look within the temple, Mary's maternity, the motherhood of God. God has a mother. God has a mother. You know, I imagine that after God made the entire universe, 
And when he formed Eve, he formed her, intending her to be the mother of all the living. It's not just simply womanhood that's the crown jewel of creation. It's motherhood that's the crown jewel of all creation. And I think... Even if we hadn't sinned, he would have still become flesh so as to experience the love of a mother for so great a beauty, so great a love as that. Because he wanted to take on our matter, he needed a mater, a mother. Amen.